Greyhound to trap one. Over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. My name is Mark McManus. Joining me today to discuss Extremis by Stephen Moffat is Eric Stadnick from Doctor Who The Writer's Room and the Classic Horror Podcast. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hello. Thank you for having me, Mark. No problem. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Uh, so, you, the uh, Doctor Who The Writer's Room, you look at the classic series um, just in terms of the writing and, and the writers thereof. Yes. Um, podcast I really enjoy. I always listen to it as soon as I download it. I think it definitely makes oh, you, you uh, reevaluate stories, you know, that maybe aren't as, um, as as you know fondly looked at when you just look at the the story, you know, as opposed to the production values or acting choices, direction, things like that. Um, do you? But at the same time, I, I guess people uh, will. Uh, you know, have their favourites, and then maybe you know the the writing isn't as strong as the the production values and other things. Do you do you get uh, much sort of feedback from people who, when you've reevaluated some stories, that kind of thing? Oh, totally. Um, it's it's and this is something I'm actually Kyle and I always joke. Like before we record, we're like, this is what we're going to get letters about. We're going to get a lot of angry hate, and we don't. Um, I mean, we get feedback, but it's it's. It's either positive, like, yeah, that was really, I hadn't thought about it that way, or you guys just are really good, you know, or that sort of thing. Or it's more the, you know, I think you're wrong, but I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think because Kyle and I do try at least to um, actually articulate reasons and, and, and arguments, cite specific things, um, we, um, we kind of, we, we get a pass even when we do things like, you know, essentially slag off stories that people have yeah. loved for years. Um, and, 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 the, and the thing is that Kyle and I kind of bring to doing the, the writer's room is that most people who have classic series focused Doctor Who podcasts are classic series fans. Yeah. And they sort of grown up with Doctor Who to one or another. Neither Kyle or I did. And so we're really coming in, like, we love the classic series, we think it's amazing, but we don't have a lot of these, we don't have our inbuilt, sort of, like, 20-year-long standing ideas about what's good and what isn't. Um, and I, I think I think that's, um, I think that it also gives us a bit of leeway, uh, because we just approach it in a different way, we don't kind of start the same old argument about this story or that story. Yeah, so you, you just started watching with the new series then? I did. My uh, um, my own little weird personal backstory with Doctor Who is a bit convoluted. I um, my parents. I grew up, you know, I was a child in the eighties and then sort of like a teen in the nineties. And my my parents, when I was young, in like the early to mid eighties, watched Doctor Who on PBS. I remember, I remember this being a thing. Like, I know they did this, um, and they have confirmed this, you know, at various points. But I don't like remember much. I had. For years, I had a sort of vestigial memory of watching a show where there was a guy um, wandering around a castle, and there were other versions of the same guy, but they looked different. And it was like a big special thing of them fighting in this castle. I realized years later that that was the Five Doctors. Apparently, some part of my brain latched onto seeing the Five Doctors and you know decided to run with it. Um, but, and then as I was growing up, like I knew people who, you know, Whovians, um, as, as we tend to call ourselves sometimes. And I, I just never went for it for one reason or another. Um, when I was younger, I watched the TV movie when it aired on Fox. I'm not entirely sure why, but I did. <laughs> uh, but that didn't, you know, that didn't lead me to get into it either. And so what finally clicked for me is, um, you know, 2006 or seven, I would have to look back to find out why, when exactly. But um, one of the local PBS stations here in D.C. Um, was was airing Doctor Who like Saturday nights at midnight. And I would occasionally, like if, if Saturday Night Live wasn't funny, I would like flip through the channels 
and uh, I would keep coming across. And it used to be like they're actually showing like black and white stories, but I would recognize Doctor Who because only Doctor Who looks like Doctor Who, especially on American television. Um, and then one night I was flipping through, and this really new glossy looking show was on, and. I, I took me a few minutes, but I realized it was new Doctor Who. I didn't even know they'd made new Doctor Who. And it was End of the World. Um, the second yeah. uh, Ninth Doctor and Rose story. Yeah. And I, you know, I watched, I watched the rest of that and was immediately like, oh, I'm on board. I'm on board with this. And since then, it's just been a slow descent into madness. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So it's pretty early on in the, uh, uh, in the new series, then that you joined, it's only the second story, isn't it? I think you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think, I think, I, I, I might be wrong. I think when I was watching that was roughly when Billy Piper was about leaving. Um, so it was about season two, maybe season three. But by about season four, I was fully caught up in terms of like watching whatever was the most available story in the states. And then was that the point when you started looking at the classic series or were you sort of doing it in between? Oh, I, I went straight for it. I, um, I, because I sort of like, I, um, how to put it, like just because like circumstances in my life dictated, I suddenly had a lot more time. Um, and so, you know, I'm like, oh, I can make Doctor Who a sort of hobby thing. And I sort of started really doing deeper dives, started listening to a lot of podcasts, um, such as there were at the time. Um, and, and Netflix had a lot of the classic series on DVD. And so I started getting those and I was like, Oh yeah, no, this is okay. This is my jam. I'm down. I'm totally down. And, um, so yeah, within that first year or two, I was already pretty getting pretty well versed in most of the classic series. Yeah. It's similar. Well, fairly similar. I started watching in season 25 uh, so I only had like less than two seasons when I was watching the old two before it got cancelled. Um, <laughs> but I was already hooked and then it was the, the target novelizations for a few years and then we started getting repeats over here and started getting the VHSs. So uh, yeah, it was that kind of catching up. Uh, and then I only saw the last classic series story that I'd never seen a week before Rose came out. I kind of finally tracked down the video uh, and it was the Time Monster. So, uh, <laughs> oh God! Absolutely, <laughs> save the best till last. <laughs> oh, good God. You could have lived a happy life. Never yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so, and you've just celebrated the the oh, you've just had the the fiftieth episode of the writers' room. Yeah, we just had episode fifty. Uh, we only do monthly, so that you know that indicates a pretty lengthy stretch of time we've been doing this show. Yeah, um, I was really surprised it had been gone. I've been listening from the start, and I thought, guys, that. Has it been going that long? It's, uh... Yes, it has. <laughs> it really has. Um, Kyle and I really enjoy doing it, and um, yeah, I think I think we've generally both enjoyed it, and we've we've learned a lot, and we've really 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 helped us shape our thinking about how you know Doctor Who is written and how these writers sort of <clears throat> relate to one another and how they all explore the same things in different ways. Yeah, it's Good. been a very fun. Definitely a podcast I'd recommend to any listeners that haven't listened to it already. Um, it always makes me want to watch the stories straight away as soon as I finish uh, listening to your podcast. Is, oh, thank you. Uh, I go straight for the DVDs, uh, which I think is always a sign of a good good podcast about the classic series. Thanks. Yeah, no, we, we I think we try. We try to always bring something. There are some stories that defy our ability to find anything interesting to say about them, but generally we try to find something good to say. So. I don't think um, the story we're going to watch today, Extremists, will have that problem. I think no, no, I don't think around. we will. You enjoying Series 10 so far, generally? I have been, yeah. I um, I did a rewatch of all of uh, Capaldi before Season 10 began. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of spread it over. Just, just over a couple of weeks, I watched all the episodes. And I was really... When they first aired, I had sort of, I don't know, I'd soured a bit on, I think, I think what really soured me actually was like series seven. I think series seven was kind of rough mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then Matt Smith's last year, you know, the anniversary was amazing and the stuff around it was amazing. Um, but then I just sort of like, 
I didn't immediately warrant to apology the way some people did. Not not because of the age, just because I I wasn't sure what he was doing, like what where he was going with the character. Um, and it took a while for me to kind of, you know, sort of to really appreciate how he was going to play his doctor. When yeah. I was, went back and rewatched it, I was astonished at how good I thought season eight was. Like in my mind, season eight was kind of mad. And looking back on it, season eight, like it's crackerjack. It's really good stuff. And season nine is maybe a bit weaker, but also pretty good. But season 10 so far has been, it's been a wonderful balance of sort of interesting stories, well told, uh, fun, fun characterizations, not just good characterizations. We didn't have a lot of fun in season eight and nine. There's a lot of darkness and and sourness and, um, you know, lighter Capaldi is good. Nardal is good for being fun. And Bill just, She's effervescent. She's excellent, isn't she? She's a real find, I think, yeah. She really is. She really, really is. And so this, you know, this first half of this season has been just, you know, super fun. Extremist takes it in a very different direction from where we have been going, though, so we'll see. Yeah, this is it. It's, um, I think, yeah, he's moved the performance on quite a lot, hasn't he, this series? He's a lot more avuncular. Uh, a lot more like the the general idea of the Doctor, um, but I've, again, I've loved series eight and nine. I slightly prefer series nine to series eight. Um, I'd really enjoyed the two parters, um, but yeah, this series my favourite so far since since it came back. Uh, really, oh, really overall total, it. like yeah. wow. So, okay, if if you're ready, um, we will I am. press play on Extremis. If anybody is watching along at home. Uh, we will press play three, two, one. Uh, it's buffering. <sighs> <laughs> Just let me know when you're ready. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, I've got the the recap from last week uh, playing now. Okay. So this is the uh, this is a revelation at the end of Oxygen that the doctor uh, the doctor's blindness wasn't cured. By Nardal, uh, so he is uh, he's still unable to see. Yeah. So, and now Do you have the little um, the little BBC things at the beginning, where it just says like BBC? It could be like the red, blue, red and the blue, and whatnot. Um, we get a logo that says, I think it's pure drama. Okay. Oh, this is. We, I think we have a different one, but it's now it's sort of a very like fifties looking with like almost like star points. I don't know. It's very cool. Uh, I know we don't get that. So, yeah. So okay. So Moffat, 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 Moffat. He he does he does stuff no other Who writer aside from RTD would ever do, such as yeah. allow himself to go through like eight different locations, yeah, like completely separate locations in one fifty-minute episode. And we start out here with this execution planet. I guess is yeah. what it is. Um, and, and it feels like, okay, is this part of the story? It's not actually part of the story at all. No, it's, it's very Moffat. It's, but it's, uh, yeah, it looks great. Do you know at all where it was filmed? I don't know. I did, I did mean to look that up. I mean, I'm guessing it's Wales, but I don't know exactly where. That's, it's probably <laughs> Wales. Yeah. yeah. I think to the quote way Karen this... sticks on the uh, five doctors commentary, it's Wales. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the way this is written where they could be talking about the doctor's execution, where Missy is the executioner. Uh, and then he goes, That's what back. I assumed. That really, is what uh, I assumed, I admit. Really appreciate on the second view in particular, I watched it again this morning, um, the way, and, the, and Peter Capaldi's reactions work perfectly either way. Either he's the, uh, the prisoner or the executioner. I think it's really, really well done. Uh, really nice. Um, and yeah, that he came straight from Derillium. So this is actually before a lot of what we've, you know, this kind of places, it explains like where he picked up Missy from. And it's yeah. a while ago. <laughs> yeah, this um, this is the one thing that, that made it a little bit, um, and it's probably something I need to rewatch some of the other stories. Um because obviously we see Nardole turn up in a moment. When did he rebuild Nardole? I had assumed it was after the 
period that he spent on Derillium with River. Because uh, I think Nardole says in The Return of Dr. Mysterio that he rebuilt him because he was lonely. But Nardole following him from Derillium suggests <clears throat> that he rebuilt him before they went there or while they were there. Yeah, I think you have to believe that he rebuilt Nardole while, yeah, while they're on Derillium together. Just My guess is just because that giant robot was going to get clunky after a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, 27 years of one night on Derillium with that giant clunky robot would yeah. be a bit obnoxious. <laughs> um, in which case, the return of Dr. Mysterio is set during the period when he's guarding the vault. But Nardole yes. isn't nagging him at that point about leaving the university. That was the uh, that was a little bit of thing I, I had of, um, you know, as to the timing of Nardole coming back, the beginning of the... Uh, taking the oath and guarding the vault. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. that It's, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, opening credits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do, I do, I, you know, the opening credits, the fact that they were essentially designed by a fan and then the BBC was like, yep, we'll have that is, I think that's so cool. It's I great, it's isn't just, it? I think it's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're right. The, you know, having Nardo on the Christmas special, but here it's made, it seems to be made clear that Nardole is has always been like the oath keeper person. Then why why were they gallivanting around New York and yeah. Doctor Mysterio? Well, I didn't notice on either of my previous two viewings there at the very beginning of this scene where he's in the lecture theater. There's a little static burst as it opens, um, which is obviously. Because that's how the recording ends, isn't it? When the doctor downloads it from the email, it's a little clue that um, that it's a recording. I mean, you would never pick up on it, but it, it sort of um, it bookends it with the the elements that you know are recording by the end. Yes, yes. So it's you know, do you think this is playing fair with the audience? Because um, this this yeah. scene right here, where he's in the from everything here on until we come back to the vault again, none of it actually happens. Well, it does happen, but not to but not to real people. But not to real people. <laughs> um, I thought it was brilliant. I, I watching the whole thing through, um, it made me feel uneasy watching it as it unfolded, and then Nardole isn't real, and uh, I, I couldn't guess what was happening or where it was going. Until the doctor kind of said, you know, explained that it was a simulation and uh, and all the rest of that. Um, I thought it was a really, really well done episode. I don't particularly like the stories like um, Voyage to the Center of the TARDIS, where it literally didn't happen. Um, and it's all unwound. Um, yeah. But this I, I'd put in a slightly different category of... The, uh, you know, especially the way the doctor has the, uh, you know, the thing, he can still be the doctor if he just, you know, keeps fighting till the end, um, you know, kind of uses his wits uh, and does the, the very doctory thing of, of sending himself the message. Mm-hmm. It's very moffity thing yeah. of sending himself the message. That's very um, Sally Sparrow and Blink. Yeah. This, I wondered if uh, the, the parts with the, with the Pope speaking Italian, with the TARDIS not translating it, I wondered if that was a clue that it wasn't real. That's interesting. I thought it was, yeah, because I think people view it as a gag, but you're yeah. entirely right. Like, the, the Pope should be, A, most Popes at least speak some English. Yeah. To, you know... If it's meant to be this current pope, you should be speaking Spanish, probably not Italian. Um, but yeah, and then why is he not trans- being translated at all? The point where no one understands what he's saying. And I don't know. I still don't know what the joke is when he comes into Bill's. In a few moments when he comes into Bill's apartment, I don't know what he's actually saying. No, I I would guess he's he's yeah. It's the he's been inside the TARDIS and and kind of had his mind blown by the interior dimensions. Because when he goes back into the TARDIS, he's, uh, he's kind of a bit overcome and he's um, he's sitting on the steps, isn't he? But, I, yeah, I don't know. There's no translation on the subtitles, is there? No. Not that, not that I've seen, no. 
Um, but what I was going to say was, yeah, there's an interview in the Radio Times with Stephen Moffat, who just said he he, uh, he felt it worked better with the Pope not speaking English. So it wasn't uh, a clue or anything like that. It was just a purely uh, okay. uh, artistic. He just, it's funnier. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Because uh, he does speak a little bit of English when he, he pleads with the doctor in a moment to uh, to read it. Uh, I think it's great the um, the build up here, the descriptions of it, uh, of the of the text, and what the effect it had on people. It really builds the atmosphere. No, it totally does. It totally does, which is why I felt very. I don't know. I have I have issues with this story, but so the Veritas is a text that is older than the Latin Church. Okay, that's only two thousand years. There's a lot of stuff before that that's been written down. In a lost, unknown language, fine, with it. But somehow it ex- has expressed for 2,000 years the idea that life is a computer simulation. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, and we never get to find out what it actually says. We just find out if it's a shadow test idea. Yeah. Uh, computers mean... are actually bad at generating random numbers, which, by the way, is not true. Computers are very good at generating random numbers. <laughs> Uh, it's like one of the things they do best. Yeah. And humans <laughs> cannot generate random numbers. Um, yeah, it's artistic license. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's let's say with that. Yeah. Let's go with artistic <laughs> license. I think. Oh, um, Penny. The uh, again from some from that Radio Times uh, interview I was reading today was that the uh, I think what Steve Moffat was saying is the the idea wasn't that the simulation had run for two thousand years. That it was fairly recent and it was running quicker than real time, so it was created okay. created within the fiction to say that it was that old, but but really nothing is that old in the uh, in the simulation that they're the monk people were running. Yeah, uh, this. So it's kind of so the Veritas essentially is some sort of glitch in their programming. Yeah, or, or a test to to find out who the smartest people are on Earth. Who, to get them out of the way. Yeah, I guess so. So they know to target them. I guess we'll yeah. see what happens in part two of the second part. Yeah, yeah. This is the monks show up again. Yeah, this is probably watching just the first part as well, isn't it? That uh, you don't know what the payoffs are gonna are gonna be. Uh, so this scene now with Bill and Penny, I, I thought it was hilarious when the port walks in. Um, but an, a nice character bit for Bill, um, and and le- you know, a bit of levity in an otherwise fairly. Uh, Fairly dark episode, isn't it? Fairly serious, full-on episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it does get very grim after this, indeed. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, yeah, I thought hilarious. The Pope walking in and then uh, <laughs> a bedroom being full of the uh, the clergy as well. Uh. <laughs> Just what what That's what, a truly awesome word with someone. Yeah, and what is what is Penny thinking? What <laughs> what is Bill? Penny's just like yeah. you know, this is what happens. I I decide to actually be gay. Yeah, and this is what happens. <laughs> yeah, she's so just running out the apartment. Yeah, yeah. Although you know, I'm just gonna say, Bill, you can find a girl who doesn't have any issues with being gay. Go, you know, go find yourself a nice girl who's been out since she was 16. Yeah, and have a nice. <laughs> Don't have to deal with this all the time. Um, yeah, there are some bits. No, how do you how do you feel about about the doctor? How they handle the doctor's blindness in this story? Because I thought it was a bit heavy handed in these earlier scenes where they kept having to sort of remind you that he couldn't see things. Yeah, there are points when um, I wonder how Bill doesn't realize. That there's something amiss with the doctor, um, yes. particularly once they're in the the catacombs, uh, yes. and Nardal starts describing, you know, the light and, and things that are happening, um, because you've generally in the other story has been very sharp, very quick to pick up on things. Um, I'm not sure that she wouldn't have, uh, you know, alarm bells wouldn't have been ringing, by part of it. It did make me think. Uh, it's a little bit like a big finish play when uh, when Nardal starts describing what's uh, <laughs> uh, the action. It wouldn't be, uh, you know, should should um, Peter Capaldi and Matt Lucas do any big finish in the future, it would be a good period to set some stories in um, because uh, Nardal describing events would would fit with the uh, the audio medium quite well. 
Naruto coming to the. I I I love this. This is. This is, I think this is a lovely moment of Nardo coming yeah. on behalf of River saying, it's like, Doctor, you don't do this. Like, it's not, not something you're actually going to do. I, I refuse to let you as your dead wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did recognize his voice quite quickly, Matt Lucas, in this uh, in this scene. Which, uh, I don't know if you have you seen any uh, Little Britain or anything else with Matt Lucas in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen Little Britain. Um, and, and, uh, he, and he, and he's been in like other things. Like, I think I saw him, you know, like an Agatha Christie adaptation. Uh, right, I think right. he's done so, something like, I mean, he's done yeah. a few other things that I've seen him in. Yeah. He's, he's also been in a few American movies that like, I think he was in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mainly know him from Little Britain. Yeah. Cause he can do, he can do a wide range of voices and things. So I was, I was surprised oh, that I yes. picked his voice out in this. He's, uh. But that, he does that a couple of times as well, switching between serious um, and then his usual sort of quirky delivery um, when he's starting to build later uh, and, uh, you know, kind of explains that he's he's the one that's got permission to keep, kind of keep the Doctor in line uh, and then pops yeah. the glasses back on and he's, he's back to his normal character. Quite like that. Yeah, he does that a couple yeah. of times, doesn't he? Yeah, it's it's nice. And you like the doctor himself being able to switch between deadly serious, you know, it's the end of the world, uh, mm. and then you know the kind of eccentricity that. Uh, so what you're saying, Matt Lucas is the 13th Doctor. That's what you're saying, right? Could, yeah, it'd be, it wouldn't be a bad shout, in my opinion. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm definitely in favor of not another white guy, but you know. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to see something something very different next time. The the scene there where Nardole is uh, is discussing the real reason why the Doctor won't reveal to Bill why he's blind. Yes. That you know it would seem more real to him, but I'd put it down just to Bill would feel very guilty that um, you know the Doctor had uh, by giving her his space helmet in the last episode had blinded himself. Um, but it's, well, that's it's, it's you know it's uh, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt it, but it um, we have this idea of having the confessor, um, you know, the you know the cardinal extends on behalf of the church, you know, to hear the doctor's sins, um, and at the beginning we start with the doctor essentially confessing, as it were, to Missy that you know the world can't know that I'm blind, yeah, um, and then you tie that back with like the confession dial from season nine, which was also the doctor's like last one testament. Like he trusts Missy in a way he does not trust his human companions. Yeah. Nardole knows because, you know, he built Nardole partially, I yeah. guess is why he told Nardole. Nardole needs to know for the for vault purposes, but like he hide, he consistently is hiding things from Bill in the same way he hid things from Clara that he reveals to Missy. Yeah, um, because Missy is his friend in a different way. It's slightly at odds with the idea of uh, of Nardole at the end of the last episode saying, you know, he says something like, you know, if our friend in the vault finds out, you know, that you are injured or anything like that, um, because yes. then he volunteers the information. Because um, Nardole assumes that Missy is a different person. It's like I I think what uh, Martha keeps getting at with Missy is the only person who understands Missy is the doctor. Yeah. The viewer doesn't understand Missy. The companions understand yeah. Missy, Missy. Like unit doesn't like, yeah, this is like the only person who gets it is the doctor. See her as a, as an out and out villain. Yeah. And yeah. it's more like the third I mean, doctor. She, she blows up star systems. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's more like the third doctor relationship. Um, is it, I think it's at the end of, um, the terror of the autons, where he says he's looking forward to another mm-hmm. encounter, isn't he? Well, yes. What's just occurred well, to me? Well, he just killed a bunch of unit soldiers and a bunch of yeah. <laughs> other people. What's just occurred to me is the um, the similarity to the TV movie, isn't it, where the master being executed and the doctor being responsible for his her remains. Um, yes. 
I yes. hadn't, uh, yes. hadn't caught on to that before. Yeah, no, I hadn't thought of that. But exactly, it's exactly the right same scenario. It's like if you're going to get someone to come and take care of Missy, the master, who do you get? You get the doctor. Yeah. Well, the, we just missed. I won't say missed, but we just. Um, there's a lot of fades, like fade to black before next scene begins in this. Yeah, episode. particularly that, between that the I, present and the future, or the or the simulation and the yes. past. Yeah. Yes, and I, I think maybe that's what it's meant to indicate, but it's very different stylistically than what we're used to on Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, I would say I was thrown off by it, but it's it's different. It's very different. Um, I noticed uh, on Twitter earlier today, or I guess last night for you, you said you listened to one of my previous podcasts, and something yes. that Keith said would um, give you an idea. Yeah, no, it's, so I've been noticing, you know, with that you can never really tell what he's working at until it's all there. Like, until the last episode clicks into place, you're never quite sure what's happening. Like, uh, season eight was about soldiers and who they are and how they fight yeah. and war. And you kind of saw that, but you didn't realize she, and then you realize, oh my God, of course, that's why the Cybermen, of course, yeah, da, 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 da. Is the doctor a general or what is it? You know, it all tied together in that finale. And that's kind of how Moffat tends to work. And there have been a couple of things I'd noticed that were sort of similar. But one thing when in the, uh, your, your commentary on smile, I didn't notice that, um, or had thought about it. Like they're eaten by the house, like these little bugs in that built the build that are the building. Yeah. Eat them. The people. That's exactly what happens in Knock Knock. It's like these little yeah. things that are in the house that are the house that eat the people who live there. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, the walls in this episode, uh, as which is just happening on the screen now, the uh, the uh, Angelou has just been the, uh, just been pulled through yeah. by, by the monkey. Yeah. yeah. I the mean, light, yeah. Yeah. I know um, there's things about like constructs and like, I don't, I can't quite all put it together and it might not be anything, but there are these little things, these little motifs that sort of recur in Moffat seasons that you don't realize how important they are fully until everything is kind of behind you. Yeah. Um, Denise, who was on the, uh, the podcast for uh, an earlier episode and is going to be on next week was messaging her um, about a week ago and she was mentioning how there's a lot of people being absorbed or consumed by things um, yeah. in, in, in the episodes. Like you say, the uh, the the city in uh, Smile, the house in Knock Knock, uh, the spacesuits are, you know, kind of um, <clears throat> absorbing the other spacesuits into the the uh, the program that's been, been spread to uh, to kill their organic elements. Uh, it's also interesting to have spacesuits with human decaying bodies inside walking around in the same series where you have the Cybermen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But who will it go anywhere? Who knows? Yeah, that's <laughs> but it. I mean, like, the, there are these things that kind of pop up again and again. And the monks in this quite emaciated and uh, uh, kind of decayed as well, aren't they? What, what it reminded me of actually, they, the way they open their mouths. Um, to speak is a little bit like those early Cybermen as well. They just their mouths open, their lips don't move. There's no sense of uh, yes. of their jaw working yeah. to create sounds. I think every, when I saw them and, I, and in this episode too, like when I saw them in the trailers and seeing them now, I just think of the pyrovials. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not saying anyone did a bad job, but it's like you're gonna put like a stony, mummified looking thing that's all decayed inside like a red robe. It's gonna look like that. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't actually thought of that. Yeah, it's uh, a similarity. So then uh, this is the Doctor's um, device of, which is a cool idea, I think, of, of restoring his eyesight, but it's going to cost him something in the future. Um, but a, a dead end in this one, essentially, because it's not the real Doctor. Uh, so there's not really any, any consequences. I think it was also an interesting way for Moffat to show, even though that it's his simulation, to kind of show 
we're not gonna fix this through some time lord trick yeah like whatever whatever restores the doctor's whiteness and he will get his light restored i'm pretty sure in an episode or two i think it's a my guess is that's a three-story arc yeah um won't be sort of like i had this thing in the tardis boom no it feels like it's gonna cost him something doesn't it yeah yeah or cost someone else something yeah yeah, I think uh, I think it was last week uh, saying the idea that maybe uh, you know we've seen the Doctor uses regeneration energy to heal Davros and River Song. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe Missy can do something similar for the Doctor. Yeah, I think that was. I think my guess that's where it's going to come down from is Missy or the Old Master, who's still out there somewhere apparently. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some hints that Missy might be in you know more stories than. Uh, than was originally uh, assumed. Yeah. Well, it's really... Why is she in this one? Like, I'm still piecing together why... Yeah. Because we only see her in the flashbacks. We assume that that's still her in the vault, but the Doctor literally in this episode says, don't make assumptions. Yeah, that's the thing. What what occurred to me when the vault rises out of the lake, mm-hmm. um, I thought maybe that's Missy's TARDIS. Maybe she's uh, she switched it. But then why would it be parked in the uh, in the basement for, for fifty years? I guess that's the because uh... the the doctor stole something. She needs to get away. Yeah, you know it's very Delgado, Pertwee that sort of like I stole your dematerialization circuit. Yeah. Okay. It did, um, I think, uh, probably most, as, as most people assumed that it was a Time Lord construct. The the patterns on the outside look like that kind of Gallifrey yeah. alphabet that we've seen a lot since the series came back. Um, but it seems that that isn't the case. I think there's got to be more to the Vault and Missy um, and what's going on there as well. I think um, because it's for the Doctor to spend a thousand years guarding the vault um, when it means that a lot of other planets are presumably suffering and dying and there's all kinds of, uh, of injustices and wrongs that he's not there to to solve uh, when at the end of the thousand years is he just going to let her go again or you know she's been yeah she's she's been um, you know kind of out and about you know he knows he, he left her on Scarrow at the end of uh, the witch's familiar, and he hasn't been bothered about tracking her down and imprisoning her or stopping her from doing anything. So it seems odd that he's taking this oath very seriously. And, but I mean, I guess we know he's going in to see her, so maybe he does think he can uh, rehabilitate her to uh, to be like him. Yeah, and you know, and there, that goes back. Um, you know, tenants of the he would imprison since you keep the master hostage in his TARDIS because it's the only way you would know where he was, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, we're at the Pentagon now. I live literally just a few miles from the Pentagon. Oh, so, cool. First of all, I love I love the way you all say it. The Pentagon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the thing shows like this rarely get is that when you work in a, in a place like that, you are wearing a badge at all times. Yeah. So it, you have this big old ugly badge on your belt or hanging around your neck with your face and your name. So everyone knows. So you don't have this sort of like, who are you? How did you get in here moment? You're like, you don't have a badge. We're going to arrest you immediately and interrogate you. And no one's <laughs> ever going to know what happened to your body. Yeah. Uh, and I guess CERN would be, would be broadly similar. It's got to be quite a high security place. I would imagine. They, they're just quite accepting that there's two people. He's never, uh, <laughs> Who didn't read it. Yeah. It's also like, okay, someone you don't know sends you something called the Veritas, and it's just an attachment. It's literally a PDF from a stranger. Do you read yeah. that? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's like what every IT yeah. department's like, we had a thing, just delete it, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's something that they would catch and, uh, uh, and warn you not to open, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and that's, you know, that's all niggly stuff. That's fine. Yeah. But it's sort of like it would be, if it didn't rely on the guy emailing it, like if it somehow 
self propagated it. You know, if somehow, you know, he had, he created a, you know, some sort of subroutine in the system itself and that had sort of disseminated the information on a global scale, as it were. Yeah. And he just like, said the little game. Yeah. It's like popping up on people's screens. Uh, un- unwanted. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. you're just, you're just watching television and there it is. Yeah. You know, you're on Netflix, and there it is. That would be yeah, that would be actually pretty cool. Yeah. God, great. I'm going to do that story yeah. when I decide to be a writer. Uh, I think this scene is really well done as well, as the Doctor starts to get his sight back. Um, asks what he thinks is, uh, is Cardinal Angelou to strap him into the chair. Yeah. Uh, only to then realize uh, that it's the monks. Um, yeah, this whole scene, the way it's shot, it's a bit blurry, and he, even as he escapes, it's um, it's a shame in a way that the monks have been so uh, so widely publicised. Uh, they're on the front of the current Doctor Who magazine, and they've been in the trailers and different things because it's uh, fairly horrific. Yeah. I gotta think we get more next week. Yeah, like a significant amount of who they are, what they want what they're what they're doing um yeah it reminded me a bit of um sarah jane getting her sight back in the brain of morbius as well in that uh as soon as she, uh, her vision clears she's faced with a with a monster monster yeah, yeah. this is the way in doctor who um we should not also you know i'm sure we'll get to it later but just want to like the story is not the story, but the sort of um, background of the story, this whole, like, sort of, we made a world to, like, test. It's Android Invasion. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's it's Android Invasion, you know, for the modern era. Yeah, but without the name of the story being the computer simulation world or something like that. But, uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, he, Moffat's playing with this idea, you know, that, and this is something every... A freshman year philosophy student who's ever gotten high has thought about is you know is this world a reality is it some sort of dream of some other creature is it a computer simulation? and there are actual you know re- vaguely re- reputable um philosophers who who try to make arguments quote-unquote arguments in favor of the idea that this is all computer simulation yeah um Whatever. Um, I, I studied philosophy in college and other things, and, and there's a famous, I believe it was John Locke, who's a famous British empiricist, obviously. But, um, he he was, someone wrote him a letter. He's like, you know, and I'm going to paraphrase all of this, but it's like, Dear Mr. John Locke, uh, what if everything I see and feel and encounter is just a dream, and none of this is real, and, um, and, the world as I know it is a deception of some kind. Um, John Mock supposedly wrote back and said, well, if it is, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, it's like, this is all your life. This is all you know. Live your life and be happy. Yeah. Um, if it isn't, live your life and be happy. Why are you worrying about this? Sincerely, John Mock. Yeah. Um, and, and Descartes, uh, slightly earlier than that, also had an idea uh, which is sort of very almost exactly quoted here in Veritas where he says, um, you know, he's doing this where I think therefore I am. And then he gets to God and he's like, what if God is just an evil genie who's trying to trick me? He's like, well, if that's the case, I can't do anything about it. (laughs) I I have what I have, you know, if the universe is literally conspiring to make you believe things that aren't true, you can't sit there going like, Oh my God, what do I do? And then, shooting yourself apparently because you know yeah so okay so some numbers match do you still love your friends do you still enjoy the things you do with you know yeah i i am not nearly as weird out by computer simulation nightmares as other people seem to be yeah yeah it is um it's an extreme uh it is an extreme reaction isn't it that uh that they carry yes. out here um i suppose if they're thinking so it's about free will. If if the only free will they can exercise is to take themselves out of the equation, but they, as far as they are aware, they are real thinking, feeling people with a 
with mm-hmm. a history and uh, yeah, it reminds me actually just weird. I had a conversation with somebody I used to work with where I suppose it's, it's, it's slightly pertinent to this episode. I was saying that I was an atheist um, and, and she was quite religious and uh, she said, well, why wouldn't you just kill yourself now? And I said, well, you know, if you don't believe that there's, you know, a God and a heaven, etc., and things like that, why wouldn't you just kill yourself? I said, because I don't need why those would things. I? <laughs> yeah, I don't need those things to want to live. Um, and then afterwards, of course, what I should have said was, um, well, you believe there's going to be a, you know, an everlasting, um, perfect kind of heaven. Why wouldn't you kill yourself? You know, that's the, <laughs> uh, I guess that would have been the answer. But yeah, just a really, uh, really odd conversation I had with this person. Um, yeah. As, as I don't if, think people, I don't, I don't think they'll keep living because they might get something later. They keep living yeah. because they're actively getting something now. Yeah. It's when you aren't getting something now that you actually consider suicide if you're from like a mental health perspective, not from a, you know, yeah, people don't wake up. Maybe back in the Middle Ages, people woke yeah. up every day and went to pray and swept. And, but even then, like, you know, they danced and they sang and they had sex and they had kids, you know. Life is life. That's why, that's why you do it. That's it. You've got everyday pressing concerns to deal with, um, you know, before you have... Um, I guess the, the you know the luxury to think on uh, think about higher things. Uh, yeah, but this woman had you know a husband and a family and stuff, and I thought, are they not enough to keep you uh, <laughs> keep on to live? It's odd, but uh, each to their own. Uh, this I thought this scene. This is one of Nardole's, my favorite Nardole scene. Yeah, here. Where, it's really good. It's really good. Where he realizes the nature of the world and uh, decides to test it out while hoping that he's wrong. Really good. Uh, I think he, and, and kind of looking at Twitter and things, I think Matt Lucas has won over a lot of, um, you know, kind of critics. Uh, well, I, I think people were like, why is Nardole there in the first few episodes? Forgetting, yeah. like, you know, they've got to get They've got to introduce Bill. Like, you know, they've got to explain why Bill is there and yeah. why we should love Bill. Once she's settled in, um, you know, kind of with like knock knock, the last two stories, they've been like, okay, we can really start fleshing out Myrtle now. Yeah. And he's, he's a great character. He's a great, you know, he's a weird hybrid character between like sort of companion and. Taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's a, it's, he's un, he's un, he's uh, he's unique in Doctor Who history. Yeah, I love the the hints in Oxygen about you know he's, he's that that isn't his true face, um, and then when he talks about how he would go about stealing the uh, the I can't remember whatever metal they the, they were mining, uh, and then he kind Just of realizes, copper, yeah the, the yeah. copper that was it, and he kind of realizes what he said that he's he's. Um, you know, he's let out that he, he could be a criminal mastermind. Um, I, I love those bits. It's uh, just creating this this backstory that we'll probably never find out fully, I guess. But yeah, give him. No, I don't think so. Uh, I love this moment where Bill is she is she willing to test herself? Yeah, is she willing to to really like? Which is a nice little metaphor for how most people encounter higher questions of like reality yeah do i really want to tr- no no i don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice just just not saying anything it, it's all done um with the facial expressions uh yeah and then um she's in the white house she's uh the oval office that we saw earlier in the uh um which story was it? It was the day of the Impossible Astronaut, wasn't it? Day of the Moon. Impossible Astronaut, Day of the Moon, yeah. yeah. With Nixon. That's it. Uh, and then, it's obviously not Trump, is it? The, uh, the <laughs> they're giving him black. Uh, no, Hillary had it. They did not go, it is a white dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not orange. That's it, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, uh, well, the thing was, the other reason why we know it's not Trump is because, by all accounts, he doesn't read books. So, he didn't read anything. Presumably, he'd be fairly safe from Veritas. <laughs> I think the seal is also wrong. I'm not sure though. Yeah, I think the carpet and seal are wrong. I I I would need to look around to see if they kind of what like the pickers on the wall and stuff because presidents pick those. 
Yeah. So like Andrew Jackson had, uh, Donald Trump had the painting of Andrew Jackson, for example, that he deliberately chose to hang up because he, he fancies himself a new Andrew Jackson, right. who was a terrible man. So I guess he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something about the, the Churchill bust or something that, um, Obama put away. Yeah. Trump put back yeah. out or something like that. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And here we go with the evil demon. This is essentially the yeah. language I was talking about that could be lifted straight from Descartes. Yeah, and it's it's feeds into that nice kind of fairy tale thing, isn't it, that Moffat brings, like the um from the Pandorica opens with the uh the legends of the trickster and things. It's the uh you know, the the idea that uh I wasn't really song to say we're all stories in the end. We're all stories in the end, just yeah. make it a good one. Uh, I think Capaldi's great in this scene as well because he's quite sort of, you know, defeated and, but still, still got that kind of uh, fighting spirit at the end. Once the, once the monk has uh, has killed the, Bill, simulacrum. And uh, and Bill's reactions are great as well. Yeah. Although it's interesting, it's I was I was talking um, with folks yesterday, day before, um, and I really I really like Bill, but she's been really passive a lot. Like she's not been the sort of I'm going to go and get into danger by doing stuff companion. Yeah. Um, and and that kind of continues here, and I'm ready for it not to continue anymore. I'm, I'm optimistic that in Pyramid of the Inland World or whatever it's called, that she'll be a bit more kick-ass, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she hasn't been put in that kind of situation yet, has she? Of, uh, you know, the kind of the Martha situation that the, the doctor puts her in when uh, when he's been aged. She has to go out and... Uh, she's uh, she's had not had a lot of time away from the doctor as well. Which yeah. uh, I think it's been a choice again. Just referring back to that Radio Times interview, that uh, the first few stories were deliberately the Doctor and Bill together. It's about building their relationship, um, and they're not going through anything too traumatic. Uh, you, you know, she'd been through something like oxygen in the first story. It wouldn't make sense for her to want to continue to uh, to spend time with the Doctor. Uh, so yeah, I think the feeling I got from that was that she's going to be pushed you know, into more extreme situations now. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if it's, um, if it's unit we're going to see back in the, uh, in the next episode. I certainly got that vibe, but I don't yeah. think we're, if it is, we're not going to see any of the usual unit folks, I don't think. Yeah, which, I don't know if it's going to, something that's going to, um, we're going to see by the end of this season, but it was very much left dangling at the end of the return of Dr. Mysterio, wasn't it? That the, um, the, uh, I can't remember what they're called, the villains with the, uh, where the head splits open. Yeah. Um, that they'd infiltrated unit. That felt like something that had been left dangling a little bit. Uh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, uh, yeah. And there's Bill, Destroyed and the monk there. Uh, but yeah, there's no, uh, no, no trailers I've seen or anything like that. I've shown um, Kate Stewart or, or Osgood, um, you know, or any sign of those aliens either. Uh, this, uh, yeah, I think Capaldi's great in this scene. He's kind of backing away. Seems really broken, saying "turn me off," but then he's uh, he's had the plan all along. Yeah, I think like you saying before about the uh, the reason why why Missy is in this. There are a lot of echoes of things she said that that kind of come back to him here. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's also yeah. I was I don't know I was I was um, sort of a weird combination of like Missy and River. Um, but also the scene would we just thought about with the doctor talking to Bill, um, saying essentially, like, now you know how the folks in computer games feel. Yeah. 
Um, and so he's, you know, there's, I've been part of a, you know, small debate recently about, you know, the, the face punching, the racist punching and, uh, mm. nice. And that's, you know, people have their opinions that feels to me where he's like, if you have empathy, you won't even perpetrate violence as a game. Mm. Like, because those people in there <laughs> might think yeah. they might actually be feel fear. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a little strong, weird little passage where he's like, no, you know, like people in those computer games feel like, it's like, what? It's like, you know, they think they're alive. He's like, they don't. Our no. computers are <laughs> like that. But, you know. Yeah. Um, but just the very idea is kind of, kind of horrifying. Yeah. And I, I played Grand Theft Auto. Like, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've run down people because it's funny. You know, like it's. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, and then I suppose the the counterpoint to that is the scene that we get right at the end with the fatality index. Um, yes. How many people's deaths the doctor's been responsible for? Yes. Um, yeah, I guess it makes it makes it a little hypocritical to complain about uh, pixelated characters being killed in computer games, doesn't it? But this is very clever. The idea of the emailing having been introduced earlier. Yeah. And the Sonic sunglasses and everything. You can always email. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a very solid. Yeah. Calling the doctor. Ah! And then the uh, yeah the the, the and kind then of the thing Yeah. Yeah, which was at the start, but completely didn't mean anything at that point. It's uh, it's, it's yeah. very much written and, and made for repeated viewings, isn't it? Especially a story like this where it's only really revealed right at the end. I, I just wanted to watch it again straight away. P.S. Dear very Doctor, good. save them. Yeah. Doctor. <laughs> Excellent. They had time to do that as well. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and this is nice, the uh, the little phone call to Bill. Once, yeah, I can't quite tell. Yeah, I don't know if she, he's trying to like get her to go out with Penny so that even though it'll be a different adventure, he can still interrupt the date with Penny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, but that wasn't all. That was fake. For the matter, I suppose it's a little bit like the uh, you read the references to River Song. It's uh, it's about taking that time with. Um, you know, with the person you love or potentially love while you can, isn't it? So, uh, you know, he's had the time with Derillium, time on Derillium with her. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's like we were just talking about, like what, if you if this world were fake, would you just like kill yourself? Because it's like, yeah, it's fake. It doesn't yeah. matter. Nothing. Or would you be like, no, I still love these people. Yeah. I still, you know, I still want to have time for romance and affection and friendship and, He's just encouraging her maybe to go for that. Yeah. Oh, I get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, this guy's very good as well. The um, the, uh, the chief executioner. I got, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's in. Um, there's a series called Humans. I don't know if it's made it over to. Uh, 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 it has. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it, but it it has been made available somewhere or the other. I know because I've heard podcasts talk about it. Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of. I guess it'd be trying to appeal to American audience because they had William Hurt in the first series and they got Carrie Ann Moss in the second series as as kind of main characters. Uh, he's very good in that as well. It's the only two things I've seen him in. Um, but he does that kind of... Uh, so this is almost like a cameo for him, then, if he's, like, actually an actor who will recognize. Yeah. It's a small... It's, a, it's quite a small part. Yeah, I think that's... Um, it's like uh, Ralph Little in, in Smile as well. Like, he's a reasonably well-known actor um, over here. Um, but, you know, he's the, the med tech that, that gets woken up and, and probably has the most dialogue um, in Smile. Um you know, he's, uh, he had his little sitcom for a few <laughs> Sorry, years. Sorry, I just got to the, you're the one who should be afraid. Never. Have a yeah. nice day then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, I don't even know who Ralph Little is. Yeah. Um, but like, it, we here in the States didn't know who Frank Skinner was. 
Right. When he appeared as the engineer um, on Mummy and the Express, people were like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I have no idea who that is. Yeah. So much of UK pop culture does not make it here. Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, I can well imagine that. Uh, um, Frank Skinner is. Uh, I mean, he was very big in the nineties. The comedian that I really enjoy. He does a he does a podcast of his radio show every week, and he's a huge Doctor Who fan and for years. So he's always kind of uh, making a lot of references on that as well. It's uh, it's a good lesson. He's, he's he would have been a very interesting companion. He was a yeah. He, he was very good in that story. He was really good in that story. Yeah, um, I really I really did like that. He's quite self deprecating when he time. talks about it. Uh, yeah, this uh, this does look good, doesn't it? The, uh, I just don't. It's it's harness, right? Pure yeah, harness. And and Stephen Moffat, yeah, co-writing like they do with the two Zygon episodes uh, and the last series. So it'd be interesting what they they come up with. Because it looks like there's some similarities in some ways as well. You've got the if not unit, then you know some kind of uh, military force. Uh, you know, dealing with aliens on Earth. So. Yeah, it would be. Uh, yeah, no, I look forward to it. I've um, harness is not always perfect, but he's never uninteresting. So I look forward to seeing what he does. Definitely, yeah. So that's that's halfway through the series already. It's uh, so soon. It is, yeah. Wait, wait, two years, and then it's. Uh, you don't know. Two episodes when you wait another eighteen months. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's going to be yeah, kind of autumn next year, isn't it? Before we get we get series eleven. That's that's what I've been hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like American series. You get you know you get twenty two. Is it twenty two or twenty four episodes of, of most American? That's series. becoming less common, but like network series still. Yeah, they'll maybe go like. 13 now more but but this whole idea of like being gone for that long is unless you're the sopranos who did that kind of thing right generally speaking like it's expected you'll show back up again you know during the next you know calendar year Mm -hmm. that you will not be gone more than you know nine months at a time yeah that's uh i was over here we've got doctor who sherlock things that uh Very, very interesting. Sure. Yeah. Sherlock is not even a series. I'm sorry, it's not. It's, it's not. No. It's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a succession of independent films. It's not a yeah. Um, it's it's bonkers to me that it gets classified as like a TV series. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um, any other thoughts on Extremis? I don't know. I, it's like, I really enjoyed watching it. It was nice to like revisit it here. I'm probably going to rewatch it again. It's. I think I'm not really going to know how I feel about Extremis until we see how the story with these aliens plays out. Yeah. Because this was essentially all just sound and fury signifying nothing. Yeah, I think it, it could be. Although it's, it's a, ostensibly a three-parter, I get the impression we won't know if, if you were a casual viewer and you tuned in next week you wouldn't necessarily have had to have seen this because uh, the Doctor yep. knows that there's an alien invasion coming uh, and he knows what they look like, but that is about the extent of it, really, isn't it? It's just kind of putting... Yeah, he has no idea what their plan life. is. He has no idea what they've learned through simulations. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. It, a, lot, a lot of the complaints I was kind of seeing on Twitter kind of overnight that it was, uh, you know, convoluted or kind of, uh, you know, overly complicated in some way. I think there's there's so many TV shows now that do that. You know, you you see things that are set, you know, Westworld or uh, things like that that are set. You know, you fl- jump backwards and forwards. I mean, um, Lost did way more complicated things than this, and yeah, like this. Yeah, this, and you know, Doctor Who has done way more complicated than this. This was there was one flashback, and then there was an entire sequence that ended up being in a simulation. Yeah. But like that's that's not that complicated. That's not yeah. That's complicated. You, I don't know what you need to be watching. <laughs> like yeah, I, don't, I, I kind like, of get the yeah. film people uh, their attentions divided between Twitter and and Facebook and uh, and the TV screen. You know, to consider that you know to be overly convoluted or anything. It's uh, 
I don't think you can, you know, can be watching that closely. Um, yeah, no, there, there are plenty of shows that, you know, sort of don't require actual dedicated viewing, but most yeah. good ones do. Yeah. Um, you're going to, you're going to, and you know, if, if you're watching it and you find it too convoluted and you're not actually engaged with the story, maybe don't watch it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, really enjoyed discussing that episode with you. Um, so you're on Twitter as at SJC Austinite. I am indeed. Um, Doctor Who the Writer's Room is at DWTWR. WR. I should have written that down rather than try and do it. It's, like... <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's just at DWTWR. And you can find us on uh, iTunes. And the classic horror cast. Uh, at ch underscore cast or again you can iTunes or whatever podcast app you use I don't use iTunes so you know it's okay that you don't either that's great Um, I am at trap one underscore and you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcasting service as well Uh, join me next week I'll be discussing the pyramid at the end of the world with Denise Sutton Uh, we'll see you then Thanks for listening.